Welcome to the Fit and Free with AIM podcast. I'm your host, Amy Louise. By listening to this podcast, you'll gain clarity and apply now principles in relation to training, nutrition, and mindset, all designed to help you build a strong and lean physique and show up as your best self. If you're a woman who struggles with excessive behaviors when it comes to training and food and think of yourself as a perfectionist, I hear you, I see you, I was you. And I know that you're in exactly the right place to change that narrative and build a body you love inside and out. Let's go. Hello, everyone, and welcome back to another podcast episode. Today, we are talking the anatomy of a great training session. So there are going to be three parts to this episode. We're going to talk about pre-session. So what are we doing pre-session? What are we doing during the session? And then we're going to be talking about what are we doing post-workout in order to maximize our performance and our muscle growth and our body composition. So we're going to crack straight in. The first thing is thinking about pre-session rituals. I always struggle with that word. If you've been listening to the podcast for a while, you will know how much I struggle with that word. But here we're thinking about what do you do that signals to your brain that you're ready to get G'd up and have an awesome training session. And the more we can just continually repeat this, the faster you're going to be able to get into that mind frame and get your focus on for an amazing training session. And of course, the higher quality training sessions that we can have more often is going to lead to better performance outcomes and better physique outcomes, more muscle mass gained effectively, okay? So what am I thinking when I'm talking about pre-session rituals? I'm thinking about Look, it could be anything, but it could be your choice of music and when do you start the music. It could be your clothing choice. I always wear these shoes. I always wear these clothes or this is what I wear to, you know, have a great training session that can very much affect people. It could be mindset. Do you watch uh, YouTube G-Up videos? Do you have some sentences or some quotes that are very meaningful to you that help get you in the zone? Do you look at some pictures or what is the... uh, what is the, I can't think of the word, what is the trigger for you that is going to get you into the mindset of high quality training sessions, which is typically talking about the kind of effort that we need, but also discipline. I'll get to this in a moment when I talk about inside the session, but have a think about the rituals. I have really consistent rituals across the board. For me, it's I have the best training sessions when I have some kind of pre-workout carbohydrates, when I have some kind of pre-workout caffeine, when I listen to G-Up music in the car on the way to the gym, not a podcast. I know this because I've done it so many times. I know that I do well when I'm really hydrated and when I've got a, which I actually have with me here, a 
Powerade with me. This is something new that I've now added into my rituals. I make sure I have one of these for my training sessions. And that is just something that I do. I know some clients or yeah, some clients of mine like to, when they get into the gym, they like to have five minutes of just sitting on the floor, putting their music on, doing whatever they need to do. Sometimes it could be, um, making sure you're warming up. Actually, I'll talk about that in the session, right? But the next thing that I wanted to talk about was the program in and of itself. So red flag if you don't have a program, but you're trying to get the best results possible. What are you doing, man? Come on, you need to get a program and ideally it needs to be tailored to you. And I'm not just saying that because I am a coach and you can definitely look at your own efforts and and have a look at the times where you had a program versus when you didn't and where you got the better performance results, okay? So why? It's because the program is going to take in your individual needs in terms of your volume considerations, meaning how many sets per week you can handle and recover from, but how many sets per week uh, each of your muscle groups requires to build, which is actually going to be different for every person. It's a little bit factored in on genetics, on like what you did as a kid in terms of training or athletics. There's going to be all of those factors and they're very individual and you only find that out when you are constantly recording data and watching your progress, okay, because there are set ranges. Uh, for different muscle groups, it's going to be different, the training volumes per week, but really roughly, we could say it's probably going to be somewhere between 8 to 20 sets per muscle group per week. Again, like I said, there are different volume landmarks for different muscle groups, but just to keep this simple, it's going to be somewhere between 8 to 20 sets per muscle group per week to make progress. And like I said, like think of doing just 8 sets per week of back versus 20 sets per week of back. That's a big discrepancy between 8 and 20 sets for a person. And some people genetically or because of so many other factors are going to need towards the upper end of 20 sets. Hey, there's some anomalies that need more than that. And there's going to be people who can grow on the lower end and don't need it. But you won't know unless you tracked your data. And we don't want to be expending unnecessary levels of effort on muscle groups that don't need it as much as others. Because we're constantly considering fatigue. And one of the biggest things that personal trainers do that like hardly anyone talks about, is manage a client's recovery. And your recovery is one of the most important things when we're looking at progress. You only have so much fuel in the tank and we've got to allocate that fuel per um, per muscle group, basically, you know, through your training volume. And we don't want to be allocating one muscle group heaps of your fuel if you're, you know, a different muscle group actually needs that fuel and bandwidth, right? So uh, a, a coach is going to be able to see that and program that for you. Um, also, RIR considerations, reps in reserve, or maybe use RPE, which is just your level of effort. We know specifically for hypertrophy, if you want to be growing muscle, you need to train within a range of failure of maybe up to four, but it's probably going to be up to three reps of failure. There, I just saw a post the other day where it was saying, like, don't train to failure. No, we don't have to fucking take everything and take it to the extreme. I'm so sick of the pendulum swinging both ways. Um, training to failure 
is okay at times and it may be necessary at times. And here's the thing that a lot of people don't say is that most people don't even know what training to failure is. I'm just going to be honest. I really don't even push the limit on failure. Like sometimes, but hardly ever. It just takes so much mental effort. It's incredibly uncomfortable. It hurts. It's painful. And more often than not, your brain is going to tell you to stop and that will impact your mechanical ability more so than your true mechanical ability. Like if someone had a gun to your head for every set and said, keep motherfucking going or I'm going to shoot you in the face, I'm sure you would have much more capacity for your reps than you thought you did. Okay, so before we just start telling everyone, don't ever train to failure, it has its place. Yes, it is going to have a huge impact on your fatigue and ability to recover, but sometimes it's valuable and most people don't even know what it is even if they think they know what it is so I just want to make that caveat the other caveat that I think is really important is if you're nodding along with me I actually want to I actually want to say one more thing which is that sometimes we're watching competitors train to failure and they they are training to failure and it looks like they're training to failure every session I just want to say a lot of them are taking performance-enhancing drugs, which helps their recovery, okay? So they can get away with pushing the dial. They have more room to the red line, okay, before going over the red line. If you're not taking drugs, your recovery is not going to be as – not going to be as good. Is that – is that appropriate grammar? Your recovery won't be as fast or as efficient as someone taking performance enhancing drugs. So please just understand that if you're watching IFBB pros or whatever on YouTube and they're really pushing it and it looks like they're doing it every session and maybe they're videoing like every session in a week and you're like, how are these guys training to failure? Just please don't forget that uh, there's performance enhancing drugs involved, which will allow them to eat more and allow them to recover faster than someone who's not taking anything. So please just, we got to keep our eyes in our own lane. And this is where having your own data on yourself is really valuable. Okay. I think I just got off on a tangent there, but yeah, I was talking about the you need to have a program and that is part of your pre-session ritual, okay? You got to know what you're coming in to do to the gym that day, know where everything is as best as you possibly can. Like if you're in a new gym, you'll have to sort that out. But uh, if you've been training for a while at the same gym, make sure you know what you're doing, what, what exercises you need to do, how much rest you need to have before you go in. It will help you have so much of a better session. You can even start visualizing it beforehand. All right, let's take us to point number two, which was the session itself. So some kind of warm up to get your blood flowing. Typically, it would be just you know a walk on a treadmill, maybe an incline will be fine. Um, with stretching, let's leave that till after the session. There is evidence to say that stretching will actually hinder muscle hypertrophy prior to training. So if you're going to stretch, leave it till after the session is done. There is actually some evidence to suggest that that may increase uh, muscle growth, but that is, uh, I don't believe it's like absolutely unequivocal yet. Um, so, but what we do know is that training, uh, stretching before the session is not going to assist, okay? 
okay? At the moment, that's where the evidence is. Don't come at me. That's what things are saying right now. Uh, the other thing with that is getting your mindset on again. So potentially if you've just come from an argument with your partner, but you're on the treadmill and you're ready to go for the session, just get in the zone. Whatever you need to do to block everything out for the moment, you've got your 45 minutes, you've got your hour, your hour, 15 minutes, whatever it is to focus on your session. Let's just pretend time doesn't exist and you're going to put your phone on airplane mode and you are just going to get in the zone and do the work that you need to do. Make sure you're adjusting machines. Make sure that if you need to MacGyver some adjustments, you do so. I always show like putting a plate on the 45 degree hip extension because I'm too short for it. But if you need to add steps, if you need to add blocks, if you need to change handles around, make sure that you're adjusting machines to suit you as best as you possibly can using different attachments, maybe even experimenting with some different attachments to see what suits you best. Uh, and of course, if you have any exercises that you hate, sometimes I have clients who are like, oh, I hate doing this exercise. And it's just because maybe the machine doesn't fit them or there's something else that we need to fix. Maybe their technique is off. So making sure if you are working with a coach that you're sending through technique videos, even if you think you're doing something well, send them through your main lift so they can get to see how you move. Because sometimes I have clients who think that they're doing something and they act, you don't know what you don't know, right? So there are often plenty of things that I can help with when clients have even been training for years and, and again you don't know what you don't know you think that it's okay and then you get someone to have a look at it and they're like hey you can fix this this is not to depth the, your ankle's doing this your knee's doing this fix this put your elbow there blah 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 <laughs> or your hands should be here in this group not in that group <laughs> okay so the next one is hit your RIR <laughs> whatever the RIR is programmed hit that again if you're like I don't know what that is I don't know what she's talking about I don't have one this is just a bit of a wake-up call if you're trying to get the best results possible if you don't care and you just want to have fun go for your life but if you are trying to get the best results possible that's what I'm here for that's why I put all of this information together and I do these podcasts for the people who do want to maximize their performance and their physique outcomes uh, we need to be training like I said before within a proximity to failure it's going to be anywhere from you know zero can train failure to probably about three or four reps if you're more experienced you're probably going to be able able to do four because it will be a true four for other people it may be a two because maybe your two is actually a four right uh, I said put your phone on airplane mode already we just want to minimize distractions and I got to admit sometimes I am very guilty of messaging clients between sets it's just not appropriate and you're getting out of focus you're getting out of the zone uh, do record your numbers don't record your working sets your working sets are sorry, don't record your ramp up sets or your warm up sets. They're not your working sets. So if you have three working sets to do and you need to warm up because we all need to warm up, <laughs> we all need to make sure we're doing a few ramp sets of each movement up to the weight we're trying to lift for the RIR, don't record the warm-up sets. They don't count. So if you did three sets and you, know, you can see there's increments between first second and third going up dude don't count those first two that third set that's number one <laughs> and then you can start okay so just make sure if you're increasing up to the last set try and use those first couple as your warm-up then start with that last set as your first set and then do a couple more or two or three more right 
And this is why some of the more experienced lifters are only needing to do two to three sets per exercise. Like you might see an advanced advanced trainees program and it's like like my my program for example four exercises on a day and I have two top sets to hit the other two are like warm-up sets so in my program actually says set one and set two are my warm-up sets and then I have to hit two heavy sets and that's it for the exercise so it's like effectively just two motherfucking balls to the wall sets (laughs) and it's only four exercises but it's like three exercises in and I'm fucking dead because of the effort and intensity and focus and concentration required. And this is where I'm saying I don't think a lot of people actually understand the level of intensity and effort that it can take to do this. Sure, if it's just bicep curls or triceps, it may not feel so all body invoking and mentally draining, but you're still going to have pain through those. It's highly likely you're still going to have pain through those muscle groups um, of where, you know, you were getting really close to that uh, mechanical failure. It's hard. It hurts. (laughs) Okay. So just have a think about that. Most of the time, if you're an advanced lifter, you're not going to be doing like five or six working sets. You just wouldn't, you just can't, you'd be on the floor, right? So let's stop thinking that more sets is better. Um, Don't include your warm-up sets. Just write those working sets into your program. Do make sure you've tidied up um, all of your recordings. So you're recording your data in. And do make sure you're taking notes on particular machine setups. Like I added a 20-kilo plate that I could stand on. I added a block. I had to put this machine on this setting. I, I had to use this handle. Write all of those notes down so it's just faster every single time you get in the gym. And then... As long as you're not power lifting, wait, wait, let me start that sentence again. You can use aids as freely as you like, but if you are competing in a powerlifting comp, just remember like you can't use straps for your deadlift in a powerlifting comp. So just remember if you're going to be practicing or if you're going to be yeah doing a powerlifting prep, it's best to do the prep without the straps for your deadlift. But if you're just a hypertrophy person, and I mean, deadlifts probably aren't the best for hypertrophy just because of the overall fatigue component. Um, It's just going to really set off a whole lot of fatigue and may impact the quality of your sessions long-term. But for example, you know, if you're doing RDLs or any pulling movements, use your straps. If you need wrist wraps to make sure that your wrists stay stable during pressing movements, use them. If you need a belt, if you need chalk, if you need knee sleeves, if you need Parade, like use all of these aids to the best of your ability. My gym bag is full of shit that just helps me make sessions better because what am I trying to do as someone who's trying to build muscle? I'm trying to maximize the amount of load that I can lift. So if I can wear knee sleeves and straps and uh, belts and all of that shit and drink Gatorade and use my music, I'm going to do your best bet. I'm going to use all of it to improve my sessions. So finally, let's come to post-workout. So what are we doing post, post-workout? We're going to make sure we're having some protein and carbs. Is there an anabolic window that's only 20 minutes and if you don't have your protein within 20 minutes, your gains are gone? No. The best way I've heard the anabolic window described is more as like a barn door. <laughs> like think of a window versus a barn door. We have much greater scope to get our protein in after our session but it's still not going to hurt having it sooner rather than later. Yeah, I had a question from a client the other day that was like, can I have, you know, 
um, from training to my first meal is five hours okay. And it's like, because this person is in a very heavy deficit, nah, not really. I would much rather we're having our protein in the first couple of hours post-training session just to make sure we're making the most of the muscle protein synthesis uh, that we're getting through our training and that we're assisting with our recovery. Uh, And also potentially if we can have just a little bit of carbs as well to help, I would recommend that. If you're eating at a surplus, like it's going to be less important for sure, even at maintenance. But still, it's like, you know, just because we can leave it for five, six, seven, eight hours, does it mean we should, you know, again, it just depends on where you are on the spectrum of how important results are to you. If they're important and if it's possible for you to get some protein within a few hours of training and some carbs in within a few hours of training, why not? Like, let's do it, right? So I would also make sure you clean up your notes and that you're taking notes. So make sure all of your numbers are filled in your program. This is going to mean the next week when you come in to train, you're just going to have a better session. You're going to know where you left off. You're going to know what your last ramp sets were. You're going to know what your last working sets were. You don't have to fuck around. You don't have to guess. And if you're having an off mental day, you can go, okay, last week I lifted 15 kilos and it was a one RIR. Today, if I do 12 and a half kilos and call a zero RR, maybe I'm bullshitting myself and I can push this a bit harder. You push it a bit harder. Trust me, trust me, trust me. The clients who follow their program consistently and take all the notes are the people getting the best results. It's just the way it is. If you're in a season where that feels overwhelming, okay, make peace with that. But we're here to get the best results possible. So that is what the recommendation is. Um. Also best to do your best to get into a parasympathetic state, which is just relaxing yourself after the session. So sessions are stressful. They might be really fun, but they're also stressful. And we want to do our best to return our body into a parasympathetic state as soon as we can, especially with all of the stresses that are happening for everyone in their daily lives. Uh, It is going to impact our recovery. So if we can get ourselves into a de-stress state as soon as possible, that is the best thing we can do. Some people will go to the lengths of as soon as they finish their last lift, going to somewhere on the gym floor, putting their feet up against the wall, taking some deep breaths, putting some calming music on and literally starting the de-stress state from there. Okay. But it's going to impact your recovery. And again, I'm just trying to give you as much information as possible to help you maximize your gains. If it's feeling too overwhelming, do whatever you possibly can. Uh, But this is the recommendations for sure. And then of course, post-workout we're going to be prioritizing sleep like it's the most important thing because it pretty much is the impacts of high quality sleep on people's health and mental and physical health long term is enormous so a lot of things tank when you start fucking with your sleep you're going to be a much more resilient jacked human being and healthy human being getting it enough sleep so prioritize it like it is the most important thing so I just want to recap what we spoke about today. We spoke about the anatomy of a great training session, which starts pre-session. We have the session in and of itself and it also extends to post-workout pre-session. We're thinking of things like rituals and having a solid training program. During the session, we're thinking about the warm-up and your mindset. We're thinking about making sure machines and movements are targeted and adjusted for you. We're thinking about the effort. We're also thinking about um, any ergogenic aid. Um, whether that be like 
straps and belts and stuff, Gatorade, music, whatever. We're also thinking about the effort that you're putting in and hitting your RAR, and of course, taking notes on how the session went, what worked, what didn't, and uh, recording all of your weights lifted. And then post-workout, we're thinking about food, we're thinking about cleaning up your notes and your data if you need to, and we're thinking about getting into a, a parasympathetic state as soon as we possibly can, maximizing that throughout the days and throughout your rest days as well as focusing on sleep. If you found that helpful, definitely make sure you let me know. Make sure you screenshot uh, the episode. I would massively appreciate it if you could give the podcast a review as well. That would be very appreciated. And I'll see you guys in the next episode.